This is TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein. Welcome. It's been a busy week in the automotive world, and here are some of the big stories we've been covering on TheDetroitBureau.com. Despite a surge in COVID-19 infections, the auto industry continues moving towards a post-pandemic return to normal. One key sign, the belated startup of auto show season. That began this past week with a downsized version of the Chicago Auto Show. Joe Sesney will have more in this week's top story. Only a handful of new products debuted in the Windy City. That included the next-generation Volkswagen GTI and Golf R hatchbacks, as well as a major update to the compact Jeep Compass. Though we'll have to wait for details, that new SUV will get a version of Jeep's new 4xE hybrid drivetrain. In fact, officials confirmed all Jeep models will be available with plug-in options by mid-decade. There'll also be entirely electric models in all Jeep market segments. By 2025, said Jeep boss Christian Meunier, plug-based products should account for 70% of Jeep's U.S. sales. And the push to battery power continues to accelerate. Aston Martin this week unveiled its new Valhalla, and it will use its own plug-in hybrid system to punch out 937 horsepower from the $800,000 hypercar. There are several reasons why automakers are going electric. Start with government regulators. In Europe this week, the EU proposed a plan that would outright ban the sale of new gas and diesel models after 2025. Mazda has delayed plans to revive its once-beloved rotary engine. It was going to be offered as a range-extending option on the MX-30, its first all-electric model. One official said Mazda may yet offer the rotary in a new plug-in hybrid, but there's no word on when. Speaking of new models, Hyundai says its distinctive new Santa Cruz pickup will start at just under $24,000. That's about $4,000 more than Ford's new Maverick. Both brands hope to bring back the once popular compact truck segment. And finally, if you've got a used car to trade in, now may be the perfect time. With demand for used cars running white hot, some models are going for more than they were worth when new. As we reported this past week, even models that have over 100,000 miles in the odometer are going for record prices. The bad news, you'll also have to pay more for whatever you're trading in on. And those are the stories making headlines on thedetroitbureau.com. Now for the week's top story, here's Joe Sesney. Thank you, Paul. Something rare blew into the Windy City this week. An auto show. Chicago is the last city to host a big auto show before the COVID-19 lockdowns. Now, it's the first city to host a major consumer car show as the pandemic eases up. Automakers such as Ford, Stellantis, Toyota, Nissan, Kia, and Volkswagen all responded with lively displays of new products. But the event was significantly smaller, covering only half the floor space of last February's event. In a sign of what may be in store, Hyundai sat out this year, as did Mercedes, Lexus, and Cadillac. Their absence reflects the challenges auto shows will face in the future. Car makers are taking a long, hard look at the high costs of these affairs, which can reach into the millions of dollars. However, these events won't disappear. But if the Chicago show offers a glimpse of the future, they will be smaller and perhaps aimed at the middle and lower end of the market, while car companies figure out what to do next. On the plus side, With inventories of popular models on dealer lots depleted, auto shows offer consumers a way to get a closer look at new models. These include the Ford Bronco, Jeep Compass, and Volkswagen GTI, all of which made their public debuts in Chicago. 
Now for this week's review, let's go to Larry Prince. Thanks, Joe. You'd think that given a lineup with three SUVs, Jaguars would be more popular. But Land Rover outsold its corporate rival roughly 3 to 1 in 2019 and 4 to 1 in 2020. So a refreshed 2021 F-Pace couldn't come at a better time. It starts with a modest exterior facelift with a new vented hood design, revised lighting, grille, and bumpers that improve its athletically graceful appearance. Inside, you'll find the F-Pace is no longer punishingly stark. A chicly redesigned cabin features an indulgent mix of Alcantara leather open pour wood and aluminum accents. A new 11.4-inch high-def touchscreen and redesigned infotainment software are a huge improvement, as is a new transmission shifter that replaces the bulky rotary knob used previously. Fueling this fine feline is a new powertrain lineup. Entry-level models get a 246-horsepower, 2-liter turbocharged 4-cylinder engine, while others receive a supercharged and turbocharged 6-cylinder mild hybrid system. With 335 or 395 horsepower, depending on model, they can reach 60 miles an hour in as little as 5 seconds and tow as much as 5,290 pounds. Despite this year's seamless hybrid driveline, a first for Jaguar, the F-Pace's biggest surprise is no surprise. It performs like a Jaguar should, providing the power and speed of a scalded cat with the lustrous refinement the brand is known for. Its quick, sporty responsiveness puts a smile on your face. If you value an SUV with superior driving dynamics, you've come to the right place. There's little doubt that Jaguar's mid-cycle refresh has greatly improved the 2021 F-Pace, particularly inside, where Jaguar's special ambiance returns after being scuttled by former design director Ian Callum's push for modernism at the expense of tradition. With a bit more of it, Jaguar sales might truly improve. That's this week's review, and now Mike Strong will look at what's coming in the week ahead. Thanks, Larry. With the Chicago show now behind us, the week ahead offers a variety of happenings. On Monday, GMC's boss, Duncan Aldred, offers up insights about how things are going at the premium truck brand. He holds these affairs a few times each year, often providing a glimpse at coming upgrades to new models, technology primers, or potential changes in brand strategy. GMC remains on our sites midweek as it offers an opportunity to put several of its vehicles through their paces at the company's proving grounds in Milford, Michigan, just west of Detroit. After that, Stellantis CEO Carlos Tavares sits down for what is being billed as a fireside chat. He assumed the top spot earlier this year after the merger of Fiat Chrysler and PSA was complete. He'll likely discuss the company's two newest products, the Jeep Grand Cherokee L and Wagoneer, as well as elaborating on its electrification plans and more. Later in the week, we'll take a broader look at other forms of mobility, focusing on the rise of e-scooters and e-bikes, which is too hard to ignore. And we aren't. We're test driving, er more appropriately, test riding, the new fluid electric bicycle to see what all the hubbub's about. Speaking of test drives, we'll be getting behind the wheel of several new vehicles, including the Mazda CX-30, Ford Mustang Mach 1, and Toyota Supra. And as always, we'll cover the news as it breaks. Now for the week in automotive history, let's go back to Larry. Thanks, Mike. Time to take a road trip back into the self-propelled past with this week in automotive history. This week in 1805, inventor Oliver Evans drives the first self-propelled land vehicle in America. Called the Orichter Amphibolos, or Amphibious Digger, Evans drives it through the city of Philadelphia to the Schuylkill River. 30 feet long and 12 feet wide, the steam-powered dredge weighs 17 tons and can run on land or water. 
If you're a member of Italy's Agnelli family, then you know that on this week in 1899, Fiat is founded in Turin, Italy by Giovanni Agnelli and a group of investors. The company's first factory opens one year later with Agnelli as its managing director. By 1906, Fiat opens a dealership in New York City, followed three years later by its first foreign factory in Schenectady, New York. 81 years ago in 1940, the last Hupmobile is produced. Founded in Detroit in 1909 by Robert C. Hupp, the company remains in good health until a corporate takeover in 1935 brings production to a halt for three years. With the scent of death permeating the company and consumers' minds, a last-ditch effort is made to revive sales. Their idea? Use old front-wheel drive Cord A10 dies to produce the new rear-wheel drive Hupmobile Skylark sedan. It doesn't work. And another long-lived automaker rolls into history after building a half million cars. Finally, 43 years ago in 1978, Ford Motor Company chairman Henry Ford II fires Lee Iacocca as Ford's president after 38 years with the company. When asked by Iacocca why he is being fired, Ford shrugs his shoulders and replies, Well, sometimes you just don't like somebody. And that's the road we've traveled this week in automotive history. For TheDetroitBureau.com, I'm Larry Prince. Thanks, Larry. And that's it for now. You've been listening to TheDetroitBureau.com's Headlight News. I'm Paul Eisenstein.